0: In parts one and two of Trust Matters, we've been uh, working out the simple uh, childlike trust or faith that says that God is great and God is good. And uh, what we've seen in in this, as we've unveiled the supremacy of God, we've talked about the sovereignty of God. We we uh, we use something that Jesus said that uh, encourages us that was purposed for the for, the, for this uh, thought that we would not be fearful, fretful, that we would not be anxious. He said that not even one sparrow falls to the ground apart from your heavenly Father's will. And uh, what Jesus was, was sharing about that is that God does micromanage his universe, that, that every single detail to the smallest minute detail of, uh, of the things that take place on planet Earth are planned and purposed, By God, there's a reason for it all. And uh, then we also said that God is also good. God is also incredible in his unconditional love for us. And and the evidence of that, the proof of that, we said was the cross. We said where where, where Jesus said not only does not a sparrow fall to the ground, but but not one sparrow is forgotten. And the illustration that we use that that if two sparrows are sold for a penny and, and five sparrows are sold for two pennies, Meaning that the the one that is the freebie, that's thrown in for free, that is so insignificant, is thrown in for free, that even that one God will not forget. And therefore, if God will not forget one of the least of his creatures, he's certainly not going to forget you and I, who he says are worth so much more than many, many sparrows. That God cares about us and that God loves us in an unconditional way. We also shared that... uh, uh, this uh, this thought from uh, Rabbi uh, Harold Kirshner, who uh, said in his book, when bad things happen uh, to good people, what he argued in his book was that God can't control the evil that is in the world because God is limited. He would help good people if he could, but there's a limitation to the power of God. Now, if, if I believe that even for one Nano moment. If if, if I believed that that was true, I I would be utterly bewildered and I would be utterly depressed. But I don't believe that is the case. I believe that God. There's nothing too hard for God. That that God can do all things, and he, and, and His power is is infinite, and His power is is obviously without limitation. Uh, there is a day that's coming, and it's good news for us that that Jesus will crush all evil beneath his feet. And that day will come when he will make all things new and there'll be no more evil in this universe. Listen to what God says about himself, not because God's bragging, but so that you and I would have have peace and rest in the ability of God. He says this in Isaiah 46, verse nine. He says, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand, and I will do all I please. I don't know about you, but, 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 but that says to me God's in control. That, that says to me that you can rest in the sovereignty and the supremacy of a God who has everything in hand. Time and space are all in God's hand. I love what the Apostle Paul said about the, the creation. It testifies to the, to the wisdom of God and to the power of God. Listen to this in Romans 1.20. Paul states, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what he has made or what has been made so that men are without excuse. So I, I say to the good old rabbi, rabbi, you are without excuse. The creation itself is a manifestation of the wisdom of God and the power of God. It, it displays his attributes, his eternal power. And I tell you what, um, just take just, just, just take any part of creation and, 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 and if you could not be in awe of it, you know, uh, then, then you really have to have vision. You really have to have your eyes open because God's DNA is, is on everything in this creation. Even, even the smallest thing just reflects the power of God. Th- th- think about one human cell, one, one cell in your body of which you and I, we have trillions of them if if you could take one cell and just blow that up magnify that up so that you could see the workings of what's going on the complexity the sophistication that's taking place in just one human cell of which i said we have trillions of it would be it would be more complex it would be more sophisticated than than the most modern factory high-tech factory that's ever been achieved by men. How many of you have ever watched that show on TV? It's called Martin Marvels. Anybody? I love that show. I, I love the, the the narrator's voice. What, what's a, what, what a rich, deep voice the guy has. But, but I also I love this show because what they do is they, they take stuff that we take for granted and they show you how they, how they make it, how they create it, how they produce it, how they mass produce it. And, and the reason why it's called Martin Marvels is because... They're more than marvels, you know. They're, they're marvels of achievement. But you know what? With all of man's achievements, and and, and all of man's high tech ability, it is nothing even can compare to just one human cell's productivity, and what you, one human cell God has created to produce. I mean, if you if you could see into it, a million openings in just one tiny microscopic cell that accomplishes. All that God has purposed. You know what? I, I I think that in comparing man to God, you know, there is no comparison. You know, but but Paul says if. God were foolish, I love paul 's thinking He said if God were foolish, then the foolishness of God would be wiser than the wisdom of men. If God were foolish and god isn 't foolish, if God had a bad day and he never does, his bad day would be better than all of man 's best days put together. I want you to think about that with me this morning. this creation you know uh, if you could if you could travel across. Our galaxy, right, at the speed of light, 186,000 miles. You, you, in your lifetime, you would not travel from one end of our galaxy to the, to the next. And in the known universe, it's estimated that there are 100 to 200 billion galaxies. And you know what God did? The Bible says that God God measured the heavens in the span or in the breadth of his hand. You know what that is? That, that, that's this. That's the breath from the thumb to the pinky. God said, this is the breath of the universe that I've created, measured in the breath of God's hand. How awesome is the God whom we serve? Now, I want you to think about this with me this morning. If you're here today for the... First time, or maybe you've come a second time and, and you're not quite there yet, you're not you know getting all of this faith and trusting in Jesus' save you yet and uh, again, I want to tell you, I'm, I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad you're checking things out and, and we hope that, we hope that you come to the same place that we've come to, the majority of people that are in this room, because I tell you what we've, we've been there and done that we, we've been where you are now. We, we have asked ourselves the question: there's got to be more to this life than eating and drinking and sleeping and working and eating and drinking and sleeping and working and day after day for some 70, 80, 90, 100 years. There's gotta be more to this life. And, and if there is, and if God has a plan and a destiny for your life, wouldn't you wanna know it? Wouldn't you wanna know what God has in store for those who love him? Now, this morning, I, I brought my, my favorite mug to church. I'm not talking about This mug. I happen to bring that every week, but I'm talking about the, the favorite mug. I just love to drink out of it. I can't ex- ex- exactly tell you why, but for some reason, things taste better in this. Anybody have a favorite mug at home? If this thing is dirty and in the dishwasher and the dishes haven't been done, I'll take it out of the dishwasher and I'll wash it by hand because things just taste better in this, in this thing. Now, I want to share with you the contents of my mug this morning. Not what's in it, because there's nothing in it right now, but on, what's on the outside of it. What's on the outside of it is is, is an inscription. And, and I want just, to just tell you from the bottom of my heart, no, no. I want to say, with all of the trillion cells in my body, all right, I believe that God has a plan and a purpose for you. And this is what it says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not of disaster to give you a future and a hope. I believe with all my heart that you're here this morning by divine purpose, and that God has a plan for you, and he wants you to discover that plan, that his plan stretches beyond time and eternity, and that you have so much to gain by discovering and by trusting in Jesus Christ. Now, I would, I would venture a guest this morning, and I would say that the vast majority of you that are here this morning have no problem when it comes to the wisdom of God in creation. You stand, like me, in awe of God's creation. I love the study of the, of the, of the galaxies and the, and the universe. I mean, that stuff just blows my mind to think that God spoke it all into existence. I mean, I, I, I love that stuff. And maybe you're here like that, and you see the wisdom of God. And so you don't question the wisdom of God when it comes to creation. But maybe when it comes to what's called divine providence, maybe, maybe you've been tempted to doubt. Maybe you've been, you know, feeling like, I'm not really quite sure that all of these random acts that take place in my life, in, in, in my world, god i'm not really sure that you're in control of all that if you've ever experienced this in agitation in certain circumstances in certain situations if you've ever been frustrated ever been disappointed ever ever been tempted to feel as though maybe maybe what's happening in my life right now may not be god's revealed plan maybe it's unraveling his plan. And I'll tell you what, it's easy for us <clears throat> excuse me to marvel in the wisdom of God in creation, but it may be a little bit more challenging for us to come to that same place of realizing that, you know what, God really does have everything under control. There are those inexplicable, unexplained things that we're going to talk about once again this morning. And, and I want to kind of illustrate it by something from the scripture. But before we get there, I want you to think about Eli Manning, right, football player, quarterback for the New York Giants, two-time world uh, Super Bowl champion, uh, two-time voted MVP, World, you know, Super Bowl, whatever, right? Uh, one of the best quarterbacks in, in the NFL, without question. Now, I want you to imagine after, after, after two winning seasons, now imagine imagine the coach, right? sits Eli Manning out, puts him on the bench, not for a game, not for two, but, but imagine, s- sits him out for, for two whole seasons. The, the MVP, right, sits him out, puts him on the bench. He, he doesn't play. He suits up. He comes to practices. He comes to the games, but he doesn't play. He doesn't contribute at all to the forward motion of the team. He is in timeout. For some unexplained reason, he is... In timeout. Now, what do you suppose the sports writers and what do you suppose the fans would say to a coach's decision like that? That they would say, What is he crazy? Eli Betty, the best quarterback, just about the best quarterback in the NFL, are you absolutely nuts? But that is something that God did in an equivalent way by taking the MVP on the apostolic team a guy by the name of the Apostle Paul who was a church planter, teacher, theologian, missionary, pastor, teacher and takes him in, and inexplicably places him in time out for a period of not, not a month, not not two, two months, not a year, but two years and absolutely nothing of any seen value comes out of those two years. In fact, the only thing that we have recorded about those two years is a footnote by by the Holy Spirit at the end of Acts chapter 24. And it simply says this, it says, Because Felix wanted to gain favor with the Jewish people, he left Paul in prison. And the verse before that says it was two years. In this two years, there's no letters being written to the church, no converts, no church planting, nothing has seemingly happened. And this is why why I'm telling you that trust matters. It's because in those unexplained and inexplicable events of life, when when we scratch our heads and we wonder god what is happening trusting god in moments when absolutely life doesn't make sense and if you hear this morning and that has kind of fallen upon you this morning i know, i know listen god has a word for you and what i want you to consider with me this morning is paul's attitude no wonder why this guy is, is, he says of himself that he was more than a conqueror through Christ who loves him. L- look at his attitude, what he models for us in the scriptures. Now, now I want you to look at Romans chapter 11 with me. And, and, and verse 33, this is what Paul, this is his philosophy, this is his attitude, this is, this is Paul's worldview of, of, of God and, and God in man and God in Paul, okay? He says, oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable, one translation that, how inscrutable his judgments and his paths or his methods beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? And this is a quote now from elsewhere in the Old Testament. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has ever been God's counselor? Where does God get advice from? Where where does God look to when God's puzzled? Absolutely no one and nothing. For who has ever given to God that God should repay him? But Paul says, for from him and through him and to him are all things, everything, everything under heaven. Can be said to be from him and through him and to him are all things. And then Paul bursts into praise and says, To him be the glory forever. Amen. The inscrutable decisions, the mysteries, When we can't figure out, God, what are you up to in my life right now? I I, I, I can't figure it out. But yet Paul says, oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and the methods of God, how unscrutable are his ways. I want you to think about that with me for a minute. Paul's attitude, I love, listen, I want to have that kind of attitude when I am in the face of circumstances and difficulties and pain that I can't figure out what is the redeeming purpose in all of this. I want to have that kind of attitude that is invincible like this man, the apostle Paul. Uh, Victor Frankl uh, was a German psychologist. I've shared before some of his observations. He he, he was in uh, various uh, Nazi prison camps, a Jew, uh, during the time of Auschwitz. And he, and he writes his observations. And one of the things that, that, that I wanted to share with you is a quote from him. L- listen to what he says. He says, we who lived in ca- concentration camps can remember the men who walked through the huts comforting others, giving away their last piece of bread. They have been few in number, but they offer sufficient proof that everything can be taken from a man, but one thing. One thing can't be taken from a man to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. Man, that is powerful. They can take away your life. They can take away your freedom. But no one has the ability to take away your attitude. And if you and I would cultivate, if you and I would have an attitude of absolute trust in God, nothing and no one can take that away from us, regardless of our circumstances. And this is exactly what Paul was expressing in those, in those words in which he, he burst into unabashed praise, to God be the glory forever. Two seemingly absolutely wasted years, but Paul's attitude, th- there's no complaining, there's no murmuring on, on Paul's behalf. And just that little footnote, the Holy Spirit says, it was because Felix sought to please the Jewish people that he kept Paul in prison. Two years Hey God, did you forget about me month after month week after you know year after year I mean what's the purpose of it in some of the other imprisonments we we see in, in for instance in Philippians chapter chapter one we see God had a purpose in putting Paul in prison he says for by paul's chains the brothers in the church at rome the they're the, the, courage increased they waxed bold in their proclamation of the gospel so that christ was being preached he says though he was bound and changed yet the word of god was not bound and the proof of that was that even those members of caesar's household were coming to christ and at the end of the letter he says they of the household of caesar so they send their greetings There were converts, in other words. There were letters that were being written, sent to various places that are part of the Word of God. But in those two years, nothing ever seemed to be going on except something that was planned in the purpose and the mind of God that we still don't know why. But Paul's attitude was absolutely precious. Divine providence. I put a couple of sentences together to describe what divine providence is when we're talking about just, just these strange occurrences that, that, that take place, you know? Uh, about a year or so ago, I was uh, sharing a, a message and one of the illustrations that I was using, I was telling the church about, about this family who was going across country in, in, in flight and uh, they, they convinced the airline that their pet pig was a service pig. Remember that? Some of you haven't heard the story you know, and, and that uh, uh, they convinced that, that this person needed the comfort of their pet pig, like a, like a seeing eye dog, you know, would, would be. And so they allowed this pig, right? And in flight, the pig went nuts, was running back and forth, you know, uh, on, on the aisle, just f- terrorizing the, 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 the passages. And, and some of you that are here today that I could say, Heather and John, you did not believe what I was saying. They, they, it, this, this is too incredulous. This didn't happen. This must be a joke the pastor's going to tell. And as I'm finished telling the story, Lynn was in church and she stands up and says, "Pastor, that's true. And it was John's cousin. <laughs> and the pig's name was Freedom. Remember that? I mean, are are there are, are there coincidences? Are there happenstances? Are are, are there are, are, are there just chance? You know, or is God? orchestrating behind all of the events of this life. Well, let me tell you what divine providence is. Is the it's the working of God out in history his eternal purposes. Every event in history, every detail in life has been foreordained. Nothing happens by chance, but rather God governing his creation according to the counsel of his knowledge of his foreknowledge. Every detail is immutably fixed. Nothing is outside of his control. Nothing without a purpose. There is no renegade atoms in this universe. Nothing is beyond his positive decree. Now, let me tell you something. If you believe each of those statements or any part of those statements, then you can face anything in this life knowing that your heavenly father has everything under control. If he's got his eye on the sparrow, man, he's got his eye on you and me today. In his book, Reaching for the Invisible, Philip Yancey tells the story that that he was watching a PBS program about World War II survivors, and and they were sharing just this particular day, and what they were doing that particular day, and, and, and one shares, while he was in a foxhole and, and, and every once in a while a German tank would, would, would roll by and they would fire on the tank and, and others were involved. With, some of them that were passing the time just playing cards and others were just watching and some had engaged in, in some heavy firefighting on that day. But none of them realized at the time that they were a part of the most, most epic event of the war, the Battle of the Bulge but they didn't have the big picture. They didn't see the big picture, but yet they were each of them contributing to that big picture. And what Yancey goes on to say is that we don't need to see the big picture to become a part of what God is doing. All we have to do is fulfill our role of what God calls each and every one of us to do. And then he said this, he says, great victories are won when ordinary people execute their tasks that they've been assigned. And he says, you know what? He says, if it wasn't for the infantrymen in the trenches, the battle of the bulge would have been lost. Each and every one of those contributed. And you and I, beloved, there are things that we are to contribute to the kingdom of God because God has a destiny and he has a plan for us that is good and it's right. And all we need to do, listen, is to trust in him and put our confidence in him. This is beyond question. Having this attitude of absolute trust is one of the the strongest principles I know, and I would just love to just encourage you this morning. It is so powerful. Attitude means absolutely everything. Paul writes, from prison, not from, you know, the Hilton or, 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 or the Sharon. He writes, from prison, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I think Paul picked up on one of the Old Testament prophets who was saying, listen, when everything is going wrong, when there's no, 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 no figs on the fig tree, when there's no grapes on the vine, when there's no herds in the stall, yet the prophet said, I will rejoice in the Lord my God. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Can you do that in the midst of inexplicable circumstances? This is what C.S. Lewis says. He says, and you're going to think about this for a minute. He who has God and everything else has no more than he who has God only. He who has God and everything else has no more than he who has God only. Another way of saying that, Sam Storms put it this way, everything without God is pathetically inferior to God without everything. That if we just have God and nothing else, every, to have everything is pathetic for the person that doesn't have God. What you and I, beloved, need is a little perspective. And I believe that perspective helps shapes our attitude. How do you feel about, let me ask you a question. How, how do you feel about bats? You know? Some people, listen, all you have to do is mention bats and they'll go into a panic attack. Bats are like this creepy thing. If I gave you a word association, what do you think of when you think of bats? Me, I think of Dracula. I think of Bella Lugosi when I think of bats. You know, those creatures that hang upside down and, uh, you know, have these wings that are really creepy. Bats are among all the creatures that god created are some of the most despised and loathed and, and 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 hated creatures on on the earth you know i mean it sets sets people into these feelings of being just creeped out right but, but how do you feel about mosquitoes you know but did you know that mosquitoes are responsible for the spread of malaria and that the World Health Organization says that every 30 seconds a child dies, every 30 seconds a child dies because of the spread of malaria? All right. did, did, you, did you know that bats consume about a 1,000 mosquitoes every night? That bats really then, I mean, the perspective will tell you that bats really are a blessing in disguise. And the reason sometimes that we miss God's blessings is because they come wrapped unusually. They come wrapped in strange ways. Imagine if there wasn't bats. Imagine how many children would be perishing if there wasn't bats. I think one of the reasons why the Apostle Paul had such an upbeat attitude was that he put into practice, listen, the things that he shares in the church. Listen to what he says in 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 16 says, Be joyful always. That's attitude. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's attitude, beloved. Notice what Paul did not say. Paul did not say give thanks for all circumstances, but rather in all circumstances. There is a big difference. I'm not thanking God for terrible things that are happening, but even when terrible things do happen in the midst of that, no one's going to take away that attitude from me. You could take away my freedom. You could take away my life, but you're not going to take away this attitude of absolute trust in God. I love what Andrew Murray says concerning this. He says, God is ready to assume full responsibility for the life wholly yielded to him. God is ready to take full responsibility to the life that's completely yielded to him. That that means, listen, if you've given your life to Christ, then you belong to Christ. You are not your own. You have been bought with a price and therefore you are God's responsibility and God will care for you. Richard Sherwood me the other day, a great verse from the book of Psalms. I was once young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or seed begging bread. God will not forsake you. Let me tell you something. Here's a great quote from Thomas Brooks who was a Puritan father. He says, God has in himself all power to defend you, all wisdom to direct you, all mercy to pardon you, all grace to enrich you, all righteousness to clothe you, all goodness to supply you, and all happiness to crown you. Believe that this morning and you can weather any storm in this life. And that's why no matter what circumstance you find yourself in this morning, trust matters. Trust matters. And you know what? Let me just tell you this. It seems to me that Jesus has been there done that. Jesus has been there, done that for you and for me. Jesus has been where we are right now. He has been tempted in every area just as we are. But you know, one of the things about Jesus, one of the things that, that, that I, I find so, talk about mystery, t- talk about bewilderment. I mean, when I, when I look at the life of Jesus, I look at a man who was absolutely in control. The R of divine control was all around Jesus at all times except once, except in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus had just gone from dinner when he exposed the hand that would betray him and says to Judas, what you must do, do quickly, absolutely in control. And then when he comes to the garden, something begins to change. The demeanor of Jesus begins to change. As as the the Bible tells us that he began to become sorrowful. I think it's Luke. Luke says that he was in agony, and and Matthew says that he he was distressed, and the word that Matthew uses to describe what being in distress is, it's, it's to describe somebody who is in, in, in the shudders of horror. Mark says that he was, he was confused in, in the sense of the word that, that he uses, grieved and sorrowful. We know that, that Jesus faced the situation on his knees first and then face down upon the ground. And what he was praying was, Lord, if there's any way possible, let this cup pass from me. You know, it, it's, it's by divine appointment that he was in a garden and the garden was Gethsemane and the word Gethsemane means the olive press. And there where, where olives were crushed, here, in the garden, so appropriate because in the, in the first garden, the first man, the first Adam said, not God's will but my will be done and, and the garden of paradise became a wilderness and became a desert. And here now in, in this garden where, 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 where Jesus is being crushed now because he says not my will but your will be done, the desert becomes a paradise and becomes a kingdom. Because of the exchange that is taking place, and, and, and I don't dare to tell you that I understand the mystery, even as we peek into, as God gives us from time to time just little glimpses of, of, of this mysterious scene that is taking place, that is' so hard for us to really comprehend, except that we know this, that Jesus was so distressed, so grieved, so in agony that he sweat great drops of blood. Some commentators believe that what Jesus was praying for, that he would not expire then and there right on the spot because of the, the emotional, the physical, the spiritual pain that he was experiencing. And I, I tend to believe that that is probably true. That is one of the things that Jesus was praying deliverance from in that moment so that he would not be derailed from his mission to go to the cross for us. But what I know is this, that what Jesus suffered, he suffered for me and he suffered for you. And what he endured in that horrible pain that was, that was in some ways worse than the cross. How else, listen, this is one of those events that turns a man's hair white. This is one of those events where you, where you sweat great drops of blood. And Jesus went through that so, so that, listen, so that all of his achievements and all of his accomplishments can be laid on us, which includes his absolute trust of the Lord. Not only his righteousness being being given to us, and not only his his purity and, and his love being lavished upon us, but also his modeling for us. What does it mean to be in absolute surrender to God? Let, let not my will, but let your will be done. What I want you to walk away from this morning with me this, this day is to know this, that Jesus endured that, he, that he did that so that you might, be the beneficiaries of everything that he achieved and everything that he accomplished. His absolute trust can become your absolute trust. And absolute trust is an attitude of the heart. And if, and if you realize that this morning, that they could take away your, your freedom, they could, away your, they could take away your life, they could take away your stuff, but nobody can take away your attitude. What would life be like if you walked out of here this morning with that attitude? And every day from now until the rest of the days of your life, they could say about you, about you, they could say, that person absolutely is trusting God no matter what they're experiencing. That would be for the glory of God. And I believe that God wants to do that, especially for some of you here this morning. I know some of the, some of the pain that you're experiencing, some of the stress, some of the, some of the confusion that is taking place right now in your life. And I just want to encourage you. I believe God's orchestrated these messages for such a time as this, that we have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. God's saying, my eye is on the sparrow but more importantly, my eye is on you. I will not let you down. I will not fail you. This morning, can I just encourage you when the band comes back and we just, we just end in a place of worship this morning that we lift up our eyes from where our help comes. And our help comes from the Lord. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we thank you for the word of the Lord today, Father, that encourages us, that word of the Lord today, Father God, Lord, that would be implanted in our hearts and in our spirit this morning, Father, that you are indeed, Lord God, sovereign and supreme, and that you're watching over us, and that you're keeping us, and that we, we express our faith and our trust in you, and we say, Lord God, that you are indeed good to us you are indeed great and good and we thank you lord god in every circumstance not for every circumstance but in every circumstance for this is the will of god in christ jesus concerning us and as we do that lord god we will rise up with faith trusting you believing you for great and awesome things let's all stand together as we pray